the journey is the training. And the race day, whatever race day it is, is a celebration of all the training and recognizing, as I mentioned earlier, you have no idea what's gonna, what you're going to be faced with on on any sort of race day. And you just kind of have to embrace whatever you're served up on that day. That's Sharon McKinnon, Ironman, Hawaii, world champion for women's age 60 to 64 on this episode of Silver is the New Gold. I'm Karen Lonso, and this is Silver is the New Gold, a podcast that shares stories and insights about women's participation in sports after 35. Just a couple of quick messages before we hear from Sharon. First, I'm proud to say that I'm officially affiliated with Ida Sports. Ida Sports makes soccer footwear for women. After a 10-year hiatus from soccer, I was looking for a pair of women's indoor soccer shoes, and my internet search was literally women's indoor soccer shoes, and I kept getting redirected to men's shoes. And those who know me well know I'm always complaining about how I'm not a man and how it's 2022 and I'm tired of having to fit into men's clothes. And I skip to page three of the search and they come across Ida Sports. Turns out I'm not alone in thinking shrink it and pink it is not good enough. The co-founders also think that and using science designed cleats and indoor shoes based on women's physiology. How cool is that? So I bought a pair and then another and some outdoor cleats as well, and I absolutely love them. I use them for fencing too. If you or your daughter or a friend needs cleats for soccer, American football, rugby, field hockey, or indoor shoes for soccer or fencing, give Ida a try using the link in the show notes. You save 10%, and we all support a brand that supports women in sports by actually putting women first. Even cooler. Second, I have two special guests. I thought I'd try a bit of a different format and maybe offer some additional perspective. So I invited a co-host to join, Lorraine Hoyne. You may know her, or you may just know her from episode number two. If you're not in either camp, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode number two. Sharon McKinnon is an Ironman. She recently won the Ironman of Ironmans in Kona, Hawaii. Hawaii is where the Ironman event was born, for the women's 60 to 64 age category. The course is grueling and all racers compete in the exact same race for the exact same distances regardless of age or gender. 3.86 kilometer swim, 180 kilometer bike ride, 42.2 kilometer run. In just a few weeks after that, she was competing again in another world championship race. This year, she is sitting at the top of the rankings with three first place finishes and one second place finish out of the five she's completed. And I want to know, how does she do that? This conversation was a lot of fun. Sharon is full of energy, courage, and joy for her sport. It's infectious. Here she is to share her story. Hi, Sharon. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Silver is the new gold. Well, thanks so much for having me. This is very exciting to be here with you today. And uh, and today also, like uh, I said in the intro, um, Lorraine is here too. So she's going to help with this, I thought it'd be a lot of fun to, to have someone else ask some, some questions and give some different perspective. And, um, yeah, she, she agreed to join us. So we're going to do a little bit different today, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So 
Sharon, get ready to share all your physical, tactical, and spiritual secrets for this. Okay. Because <laughs> that's where this is going. Alrighty. <laughs> so, so the top, you know, from the top, like, how do you feel? You just came off of one of arguably the toughest and most coveted titles in triathlon, um, Ironman Hawaii. Um, and then you went right back, like, two weeks later and did another world championship. So how how do you feel right now? I'm feeling pretty good actually. Um, yeah, it was um, Kona was uh, the Ironman World Championships were on October the sixth in Hawaii, and uh, it was a pretty exciting and very humbling day. And then 21 days later, I was back uh, racing at the Half Ironman World Championships in St. George, Utah. So it's been a pretty um, pretty big month. October and uh yeah it's been a lot of fun still how, how no go ahead no no you go ahead <laughs> I was just gonna say I uh, was it was I was uh coming down from uh the high of of Kona and then um it was a real honor to go back and do the half Ironman world championships you know, three weeks later. And um, yeah, it was pretty exciting. So I'm just having a little bit of downtime now and feeling actually pretty good. The body's, uh, I think, has appreciated some unstructured activity and um, looking forward to getting back at it soon. (laughs) See what happens next, see what's on the docket for next year. Now, were they the same distances? Was it like the exact same race or they were they were different? Yeah. So the Ironman all, World Championships, it consists of a 3.8 kilometer swim, 180 kilometer bike, followed by a 42.2 K run. And then the half Ironman Championships are half that distance. So um, in order to race at either one of those championships, you have to qualify. So... I ended up qualifying actually for both world championships in Lanzarote, which is Canary Islands in Spain. And so I qualified for the half Ironman championships first and sort of thought, oh, no, I'm not going to take that spot because I really want to go to Kona. And my husband, Kevin, said, no, no, you've got to take the spot. And so I took the spot when I qualified in March. And then I went back to Lanzarote in May and um, ended up winning my age. I had to win my age group in order to get the spot because there was only one qualifying spot. So I was fortunate to have a pretty good day in uh, Lanzarote and won my age group there uh, for the full as well. So qualified and um yeah have been preparing really all year has been preparing me for the Ironman World Championships the full one in uh in Kona so um and I was very fortunate again to have a mostly pretty good day in Kona you you never really know what you're going to be faced with during an Ironman because it it's a long day for me because I was over 12 hours and um, you just sort of have to look at embracing the day, whatever it uh, offers you. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a pretty good day and was fortunate to win my age group, uh, which was, was very exciting. And um, 
yeah, it didn't, it took a bit to sink in that I actually did win my age group. And uh, yeah, it still sort of seems a bit surreal when I think about it. Can we unpack that for a minute? Because you're saying you had a pretty good day and I'm hearing I won my age group and those two things wow. don't really connect for me. So what, so was winning not the only goal? Like what would have been an outstanding day besides winning your age group? Oh, I think <laughs> I had an outstanding day, I guess. Yeah, it was my goal. <laughs> my goal going in was to finish top 10 and, um, this was my third uh, Ironman uh, championships that I had competed in. I was there in uh, 2014 and then again in 2017. And I was hoping to qualify again in 2019. But the because of COVID, the, the qualifying, or sorry, in 2020, I was trying to qualify. But because of the uh, COVID pandemic, um, those plans got put on hold. So I was very eager to get back to Kona for what I said was sort of one last kick at the can. And I was hoping to uh, crack the top 10. I cracked the top 20. I was 19th in 2017 when I was there. And I think I was 38th or something in 2014. So I was really hoping for a top 10 finish and really to have won the, like to have been the top in my age group was just I was just over the moon, really over the moon about it, about that. I, I didn't really think that I was going to do that, but it, it was a, it was a really, it was a good day. Um, I came, I think I was 11th out of the, uh, 11th out of the water. And then after the bike, I was third. And so that was pretty exciting. And um, they didn't like a lot of times when you're racing in these triathlons, you have your age on your calf. So, you know, everyone knows how old you are, but in Kona, there was no, we didn't have any ages on our calves. So I really didn't know who, like who I was racing against. You can sort of, you know, have a peek back to see who might look like is your vintage. And, um, so I, I had my family, my husband was there as was our youngest son and his girlfriend were out on the course. So they kind of shouted at me where I was when I, I, I really didn't know where I was when you're out on the bike. Cause you're out in the middle of really nowhere. It's just hot and windy and humid. Um, but when I came back on the bike and then went out on the run, I knew where I was, but when I was out on the run, I really wasn't sure because there were women passing me and I was passing some women. So it really wasn't until, um, you know, I was heading back in sort of that last, uh, I would say probably 12 K that I knew where I was. And, um, my husband was kind enough to come out onto the queen, the queen K cause it's, um, you're out a fair bit outside of town and it's, yeah, it's, you're there with your thoughts and your, what you've got left in your body. And, um, he had let me know that I was sitting in second and that the woman in first, who was another Canadian, um, Sharon McDowell Larson, she was about three minutes, uh, up on me. And so I just, 
I was on a mission for those last really 12K to pass, to, to run her down, basically, not to be rude or disrespectful, but I was uh, on a bit of a mission. And the thing is, I wasn't quite sure what she looked like and who she was. So I really just put it all on the line and dug deep and um, was just doing my best to pass as many women as I could, whether they were my vintage or not. And um, so I, I knew that I was like running faster than she was because I was catching her, um, whichever woman she was. And um, so it was pretty exciting. And uh, it really wasn't until the finish line. And, and, uh, you know, my husband was there meeting me and realized that I had actually won my age group. So yeah, it was, it was pretty exciting. And it was, I only won by, uh, it was like 70 seconds or something. So it was a ridiculous short amount of time. Um, especially when you're looking at, you know, over 12 hours, uh, to win by only 70 seconds. I I would have been annoyed had I been second. So I'm grateful, (laughs) very grateful that I had a good day, a little better day than, um, my, uh, my team, my competitor behind me. So, that's kind of how the day uh, uh, sort of played out. Um, there was, uh, I guess, 12K into the run, and I didn't know this until after the race. Um, 12K into the run, I actually did pass another Canadian, not uh, Sharon McDowell, but another woman. And so I actually was in first for quite a lot of the run. Because Sharon, um, she passed me, I think it was 27K. And it was around that time that I actually stopped. I was having some GI issues and I actually stopped mm. to uh, use one of the porta potties. I actually stopped twice to use a porta potty. And um, it, so I know that it was around that time that she passed me. And then uh, I started, you know, feeling a little better. And um, once I knew that she was only three minutes ahead, I thought, yeah, you know what, I can do this. So, and I did. So I had a, it was a mostly pretty good day. And um, I'm, I'm very grateful for, you know, I, you know, the privilege to be able to train and race uh, is, you know, I do appreciate that. And, you know, I couldn't have done it without sort of all of the people in my life that got me to the starting line. So first and foremost, my husband, who um, has been a, a great supporter of mine. He's my, also my coach. Um, and then my training partners, my family. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that make things happen that let you do the training and um, get to uh, the start line. So I'm, I'm very grateful and I couldn't, there's no way I could have done that without all the people that I have in my life that support this crazy um, love I have of, uh, of moving. So, yeah. <laughs> moving. Oh, wow. I, uh, I was in England with my uncle over the summer and he's uh, going to be turning 90 in January and, and he walks every day and he says, Lorraine, don't stop moving whatever you do. The secret to longevity and and movement and mobility is to just move. And he just walks, and in the summer he bikes. And uh, so, I mean, 
It's just incredible, Sharon. Like I just have got total respect to you and what you do. I know the, you know, it just takes so much strength mentally and of body as well. And, um, you know, I was just looking and reading a little bit about triathlons and, and, uh, learning sort of like how you prepare there seems to be a lot of really good information yeah. you know now on the internet that has like sort of how you can prepare yourself and all the things that you need to do so um kudos to you like I seriously you've got like complete and utter respect from me like I'm just so happy for you and yeah I'm just like it's just amazing well, thank you amazing. yeah there is a lot of um I did my first try when I was I guess in 1985 before we had kids and um it was uh, I sort of uh it was just kind of cool it was very new and um it was just a nice little challenge to do so I started with the shorter sort of Olympic distance races and um actually did I did several world championships for age group at the Olympic distance level. And um, I actually did one sprint world championship and I won that the year it was in Vancouver. I don't, I can't even remember what year it was, 2000 and something, six or five or something. So I, I, I've been doing them for a long time, but this, there's something about this long distance stuff. And I think too, the older, the older I get, I recognize I'm certainly not as fast as I used to be. However, um, there's there's some appeal to this longer distance uh, training and racing that really um, stretches. I find it stretches me both physically and mentally in terms of, you know, you really find out what you're made of when you're out there, especially in Kona. Like the conditions are very challenging it's it's hot it's humid I finish in the dark it's windy you've got the best athletes in the world so there's just something a little extra challenging there I don't know that it's the most challenging sort of course I've done the Lanzarote Ironman there I've done that twice and it's a very very challenging course very hilly hillier than Kona and certainly the winds are are fiercer, I would say, um, than Kona. But I think the pressure of Kona is that you've got the best athletes in the world that are able, you know, privileged enough to get there, um, you know, uh, competing. So there's, it's, it's an intense, uh, it's an intense race, I, I guess, more so because it is a world championships. So yeah, it's exciting. Do you all do you all start at the same time? Um, that's do a they great, stakers start you? That's a great question. So when I did uh, Kona in 2014, you all sort of start at the same time, and um, you they'd always send the pros off earlier. But what they've started to do now, which I is really exciting, um, they're starting to do sort of more of these wave starts. So I was in a wave with women my age and a little bit younger and a little bit older. So they sort of start you off in waves. So it's actually in Kona, it's an in-water start, which is a little bit exciting too, because you swim out uh, from the pier and then you're just kind of treading water and, you know, everybody's around and there's just, there's a great sort of camaraderie, I, I find, with um, the other uh, athletes. And it's pretty cool too, in Kona this year, um, 
they had the all the women we all raced on Thursday and then they had a few men in there with us as well um but and then the men all the rest of the men raced on the Saturday so that was really neat too having sort of mostly all women in the race and at the half Ironman championships it was only women so we raced on Friday it was all women and then Saturday it was all men and there's a different feel to the race like I actually quite enjoy it um just having women it's pretty spectacular out on the course to celebrate all these fantastic women of all ages you know um doing these races which you know aren't for the faint of heart I think I could argue for the half iron man and the full <laughs> iron man so it's it's pretty cool um to be part of that it was it was quite an honor to be to be part of that and this is the first year they've uh, done that in Kona and um so it'll be interesting to see going forward if they carry on with with the you know women one day uh, men the next day it's it is a different feel on the course that's for sure Yeah, I remember I uh, talked to Krista Duchesne about that and she was saying, um, you know, sometimes with the men, like when when they when the women start first and the men come, then the media trucks come and you just you're running and like all these men start passing you and she's just in her head thinking, just pass me already because I can just all these media like they have me, but they just have me being passed by all these men, <laughs> like you know, and it's like just I don't know. I think it does feel a bit differently when you feel like you have a shot against anyone in your, your cohort or in your, your start. Right. But you were saying that COVID kind of, you know, put your, your racing and your world championships on hold for a bit. So I wonder, um, so you, you missed potentially getting a title in the 55 to 60, uh, group. Right. And when you came back from COVID, you, you moved to the next age group. Which is also to my yeah. advantage because you have, you typically have. You're the youngest the old, of the group, right? The, the, yeah. <laughs> I was the youngster in our 60 to 64. So, um, yeah, it's. We call it a fresh 60. Yeah. It, <laughs> the fresh 50. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's always, it's like, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's another birthday. It's, I can't wait for another birthday. I, last year I was telling one, I can't wait till I turn 60 they're kind of going, what, what, like who wants to turn 60? I said, I do. I'm in a brand new age group. I like, bring it on. I can't wait. Did any of your um, competitors come with you and you're like, oh man, like I really wanted to go up against this particular runner um, before COVID and then COVID hit. And then like, did they move with you? Is there anyone that you really wanted to, to race against and you did or didn't get the chance to, like, is there any rivalry, but just like, yeah, no, I would say no, there's, um, you know, there's a few, like, there's not very many of us, like when you think about the number of people who are doing triathlon, especially Ironman triathlon, and then the people who actually get to the world championships, it's a pretty slim, like it's, there's not a lot of people, right? There's, it's a smaller field. And I think too, you've got people who may have qualified who are over in Europe, who, you know, for whatever reason, you know, chose not to take their spot or stuff. So there's, I, I wouldn't say there's anybody that, you know, oh, wow. Cause I've never even cracked like the top 10. So I, I had a great, a, a pretty good 
uh, year this year and uh, worked hard to to get where I am. And um, yeah, so, but it could have turned out very differently. It could have been a very different race. So things went my way. But now, this year. now your overall ranking is number one, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. exciting. <laughs> so how did you get your? How did you keep fit through COVID and keep that mental like strength to want to say? Well, I guess it's your 60th birthday that you had look, to look forward to that you're like, oh, I'm going into a new category. That could have been something that might have like given you that sort of motivation to stay on board. Or is it something that you're always a steady state? Yeah, of, like, yeah Lorraine, I don't need any motivation. I'm very motivated and I just love, um, I love to move and I, I love to race and I'm very like it's just so much fun like it's it's really and again I feel very privileged to be able to you know take the time out of the day to swim bike and run and do some weights and you know meet up with other athletes that you know do the same crazy stuff and it's just so much fun so I I don't know that I could ever say I could remember a time that I needed motivation to you know, get out the door and no, it's like, come on, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Let's go. So, um, it was, I think maybe I was a little more, um, excited about racing because I hadn't raced my last race before 2020 was at the half Ironman world championships in Nice, uh, in September of 2019. So that was the last race. And then my first race back was in March of 20 like this year 2022 at the um half Ironman in Lanzarote which again was a pretty challenging challenging uh event to do but so it was so great to be back racing and back with people we we had to at that race we had to wear our mask um in the swim corral and then they had um little garbage cans that when we when it was our turn they were doing a rolling start so you they um yeah you go off with so many people at a time and then five seconds later more people go off so we kept our mask on right until it was our turn popped it in and then off but you know as we got a little further into the year um and mask mandates changed and whatnot uh, we didn't have to do that. And oh gosh, that was just such a thrill to be around people, so many people and be back racing. Like, I think a lot of people were just so excited to have the opportunity to be racing again after, you know, two years of, of not racing. So. Do, do you wear a tracker? I'm I'm wondering when you, when you get started or something like if you're, if you're doing in waves or you're rolling yeah, you um how do they how do they keep track of a so, mass start like that? So like you've got a timing chip. So you wear a timing chip oh, around you your ankle. Okay. Yeah. So everything is all you're all tracked. And so that's the other cool thing with the races. Um like you, there's a there's an Ironman tracker. So my family who is back home, they were able to uh, you know, when you they've got timing mats of course, when you're coming out of the swim and in various locations on the bike and on the run. So your family and friends back home can watch, well, not watch, well, I guess, yeah, pay attention to the athlete tracker. So they know, you know, where you're at. And um, it was really funny because one of my, um, one of my uh, 
teammates that um, trains with us, she said, oh my gosh, she said, that was the most exciting, like that was the most exciting race ever to watch because there was a little bit of back and forth. And um, so that was really cool to know that some of my um, training partners were able to follow if they chose to, and that it was actually kind of exciting uh, to have, you know, to win and such. And yeah, it was, it was cool. And family, my family certainly appreciated um, being able to track the race as well. So yay to technology. Right. Technology is it's, that's the best part, isn't it? Like, I mean, I used to carry a, a Walkman, when I went on runs in the eighties, yeah. <laughs> I remember you know, the, so, the, I mean, the no skips that skipped every five seconds, you know, uh, I was also thinking I about stop and flip the tape. Yeah. I was also thinking about, remember those Iron Man watches that no one could figure out how to use and then they would just beep oh, incessantly yeah, right. and like, no buttons would turn it off. <laughs> so you, you talked about the half Iron Man circuit and you talked about the full Iron Man circuit. Are they separate qualification paths? Like, are they actually separate streams? And how do you decide from year to year which one you're going to do? If you're going to attempt to do both world championships, like how many and how many qualifiers are there for each world championships? Because oh. I think if they're different streams, they have different sets of qualifications. Oh, yeah. There's no, right? sh- there's no shortage of qualifiers. There's qualifying events all over the world, like including Canada, the United States, Europe, Asia, everywhere. There's qualifying events. So it's just a matter of, so there's definitely two streams. So to go to the Ironman championships, usually, well, except for next year, next year is kind of an exciting year because they're opening up more spots for women. So if people want to try to qualify, um, 2020, well, the tail end of this year and next year are going to be great years for women to try to qualify because there's more qualifying spots. And there's actually, I don't know if it's been published yet. I'll have to ask Kevin. Um, Somebody actually went through the qualifying spots or the qualifying races and sort of teased out the best one to go to in terms of the number of qualifying spots for women. So it's really exciting that they're trying to promote more women um, in uh, the Ironman event because it's still predominantly men, right? Mostly it's mm-hmm. men, but they're really trying to encourage more women to participate. So that's really exciting. Uh, so there's definitely two streams, events all over the world. And in terms of, for me, I kind of decide what's going on. So I was, I went back to school in 2018, 19 to work on a master's. So I knew that I couldn't do a, like I couldn't commit to working full-time, being a full-time student and training for a full Ironman. So I thought, okay, this, these are the years, this is the year to, you know, look at doing a half Ironman because it's more, it's, it's more doable. You don't spend your whole weekend training than having to have a sleep um, because you're so tired. So um, that's why I was trying to go for the world championships, half Ironman in 2019. And then I was done school at the end of 2019. So I had my sights set on 2020 to try to go back to qualify. And with COVID that didn't work. So it's like, okay, well, that's fine. We'll wait till after COVID. So that's what led me. And again, just keeping options open. And I'm very grateful that Kevin said, oh yeah, like take the spot and then sort of see what happens. And then to do the double, it was a bit crazy. And actually at the half um, 
Ironman World Championships. The gal, uh, Sharon McDowell Larson, um, she too uh, did the double. And I think she finished up 10th. And I don't, I think we were the only two that actually did the double in our age group that finished in the top 10. So it's a tough double um, to do, but I'm glad I did it. It was great, right? You're only 60 once and it was <laughs> kind of fun to do. I'd never been to Utah and the course was beautiful. It was a bit fresh. Uh, the air temperature was like three degrees getting out of the water, mm. but um, oh it was a beautiful course. And again, such a gift to be able to spend the half the day with all these other incredibly fit women um, out on the course racing together. It was awesome. So, and it's higher elevation too, right? Oh yes. Isn't it higher elevation up there? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. It was lovely. <laughs> Lots of hills. And because I was so cold when I got out of the water, swimming in the water was okay, but getting on the bike, I was so cold. I didn't warm up until about halfway through the bike. And I was just praying for more hills because at least I was getting a little bit warmer climbing up those hills. So I was very grateful for all the hills in St. George. And I do love the hills. So it was a lovely course. It was a tough course. Um, but I'm very grateful that I, uh, that I went and Kev was there again and, um, our son, uh, Ian and, um, his girlfriend, Nicole and Nicole's, uh, mom, actually, she raced as well. So it was really fun to have, um, to be, uh, have someone there to sort of go through the motions with, you know, get, get ready. So that was really exciting. So, yeah. And just to sidetrack before I come back to my, <laughs> you, you went back and did a master's only three years ago. Yeah. So 2018, wow. 2019. Yeah. I, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, and, um, <laughs> I, uh, That's, yeah, yeah that's so I'm, I, yeah. So I went and did a, a master's in education and it, it was all online. So I was able to fit that in, in the evenings and uh, on the weekends. It was amazing. Loved going back to school, much better student at this age than I ever was <laughs> when I did my two undergraduate degrees. But um, I want to say there's probably less beer involved, but there's probably yeah, less beer involved. There was just, a, I guess, a thirst for, for learning and an appreciation for learning. And I, oh, it was amazing. So yeah, that was, that was really, I was very grateful again to be able to do that and um, to go back to school and be a formal learner. It was amazing. It was just amazing. You're amazing. I don't know about that. Yeah, because, <laughs> because well, I don't know many people who would, who would have the courage to go back and do a master's in their 50s. That's, yeah. you know, yeah. it takes, and, and maybe triathlon is, has either taught you to be courageous or you're already courageous enough to do triathlons. Cause I think it takes a lot of courage to like, yes. listen, three, three K and I'm like, God, I'm dying, you know? So yeah. to go back and, and do a master's, that's like, wow. Good for you. That's a, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, you've been obviously been running your entire life. Like you said, yeah. since I was 10, I you started a, when I was 10. Since you were 10. Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. And you were a sprinter at one point, right? You yeah, to yeah, I did. The Canadian Olympic team. Yeah, so I was. Oh, I loved to run, and it was really great. My mom and dad um, 
you know, I grew up in Sarnia, Ontario, and they had a great little track club, the Sarnia Track and Field Club. And um, so started racing on the track, running 100s and 200s and 400s and long jump and high jump and relays. And again, just it was so much fun with all the other kids that were racing. And so and then I raced uh, right through to I like uh, ran all through university. And then once I finished uh, school, um, I continued to race through till uh, 1992. So that was really my last year on the track and um, competed at the uh, the Olympic trials uh, in the 800 meters and really knew that I would never qualify for the Olympics, but it was really fun to be at the trials and you know, racing again with other amazing, strong, fast women. And, uh, you know, my goal was to make it to the final and I did that. And, and that was kind of the end of my track career. And, uh, Kevin and I started our family shortly thereafter. And, um, so yeah, I grew up with running and I, I, I'm much slower than I used to be and sort of, it can, it's challenging as you age, um, wrapping your head around that oh my god this is what I used to do and this is how fast I ran and now it's like the mindset is you know what embrace where I am today and celebrate that and so that's kind of my mindset now um, recognizing that yeah you know we all slow down it's fighting uh, muscle loss and vo2 max that decreases and such all those other physiological pieces but at the end of the day what a gift to be able to throw on my sneakers and go out the door and run whether it's you know through the woods or on the trails or whatever with my running partners or by myself it's just it's it's so wonderful and simple and um out of the three disciplines even though it's not my best anymore, um, I think I still enjoy it the most, the freedom of of just throwing on the shoes. It's easy and out the door. The first ever Canadian woman to win the Hawaii Ironman was Sylvianne Pontus. I'm pronouncing Pantos. her name yeah. totally wrong. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. Pontus. Mm-hmm. In 1983, right? Yeah. Um, and on the Ironman website, it states that she set the women's course record in 1983 at 10 hours, 43 minutes and 36 seconds. It 2022 at the age of 60, you're only an hour and 45 minutes back. Like when you think about that, she was probably doing it in her 20s or 30s. That's 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 not that Amazing. big. You know what I mean? Like over a long, that's not that that big. So like, I don't think that that is much of a gap considering that probably the age difference, right? Karen, so, but you have to look how you have to look at. So that was then. Not to take anything back. I know you should see how fast the women are now. It's I'm several well, this is hours getting to my next... behind. But it was very kind of you to bring that up from 1980 something. Um, yeah, so, my... so much faster. I know. So my question is, <laughs> how quickly did the field evolve? Because because in 1983 you were probably. Um, I don't know. If, were you doing triathlons then, or was that a little bit before your time? Just, but yeah, um, how quickly did the field evolve, and like, how did you have to adapt to the change in pace? Even though, like, you have to to speed up uh, to keep up with these women, even though you're like you're you're slowing down as you age, right? So there's that 
like how much do you have to uh, evolve to keep up or do you feel like your cohort is kind of aging with you and you're you only need to really compare yourself to the women you want to actually win against yeah and I don't I don't know that I would actually I don't think that I sort of compare myself to anybody I think what I do is I get out there and do what Ever I can on any given day with the training, right? You give it your all, and then see what happens on race day. The 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 training journey, especially in an Ironman. So the the journey the journey is the training, and the race day, whatever race day it is, is a celebration of all the training and recognizing. As I mentioned earlier, you have no idea what's gonna, what you're going to be faced with on on any sort of race day, and you just kind of have to embrace whatever you're served up on that day. So I don't know that I've really spent a lot of time comparing, you know, what I'm doing to to the others. I, you know, would mind, would kind of have a look at, okay, well, who's in the race? What have they done? But it's like, you know, it really doesn't matter. What can I do? What am I going to bring to the, bring to the starting line? And, um, you know, it's really out there racing myself, but also, I guess also racing the other women, but I don't, I wouldn't say I spend a lot of time sort of analyzing their sort of stats and such, if that makes any sense. So one thing that I was reading about was the fact that there's this, and and it's on the line that what you're talking about when you're in your, in your race, it's because you've got people passing you. So it's, it's, uh, I guess the mindset is like, you want to, you know, you want to pass by people and it sort of reflects to Karen, what you're saying, like when men are in the race, like they're passing by, like, what does it do to you mentally? Like, does that bring you down? But then what I was reading was about the perceived exertion and perceived effort in that it's like, it's your race. So you know, when you can, you know, put the gas on and when you need to kind of slow down, and so you know that when you see someone ahead of you, that you know that there's going to be a point they're, they're behind you, right? Like, so there's this sort of like, it's really like you are in your own race and yeah, you know, like I'm trying to find, like you didn't even know your competitor, you're, you're 70 seconds behind, like ahead of them, right? So it's just that sort of this interesting type of a, a sport that like, yeah, you spend all these hours training and then when you go to the actual event, that you have to really sort of decide, like, I am just in my space doing my thing. And I have to really just put all my training to this is, like you said, a celebration of my training and, and finishing the race. And like, there's a lot of DNFs, like uh, disqualifications, like what I was looking at, like, there's, as you said, you just don't know what you're going to get. Like, you know, no, there's a lot, there's a know. lot of factors. And one of the biggest pieces is the nutrition. So when you're out there for that long, you need to make sure that you've got a good nutrition plan. And in speaking with athletes, and I've certainly experienced this myself, you can, things can really go south <laughs> if your nutrition plan doesn't play out as you've planned, or, you know, you've maybe not planned it quite as much. and in in an Ironman, like you, you might, like, you know, you might just have to walk in. Um, And you've probably seen the, the footage of, uh, you know, the crawling, the crawling finish and such. Um, 
it's it is it is it's a pretty tough day like it is a tough event it's it's very long and as i mentioned it's not only physical but it's also mental it's it's hugely you you need to have a strong mind and um to get through the day and some days you need more mental strength fortitude than others um so yeah i didn't really have too much left at the end it was i was i was done but I th- have you ever hit the wall in your training or in a race? Oh, and like, gosh, yes. how, how do you? Oh, gosh, yes. I can remember one um, training ride. This was actually before we had kids. Kevin and I were uh, we were doing some biking in Vermont. And I think we were 60 miles in and I just completely bonked. And um, he basically had to tow me, tow me, meaning like I had to sit in behind him so that I could draft off him to get to get back to where we were staying. And, you know, again, that's a nutrition piece, right? I didn't eat enough, probably didn't drink enough. And then you just bonk, you're just, if there's nothing left. So yes, I have experienced that. I absolutely experienced that in 2014. When I did Kona, um, I had qualified, I did my first Ironman in 2014 at Mount Tremblant, which I ended up second in my age group. And I ended up getting a Kona spot so of course I took it but the Tremblant race was in August and Kona was in October when I went to the starting line I was not recovered from that Ironman that I'd done in August and so the goal was just Mm. finish the race Kevin said shared no goals just finish the race enjoy the day Um, it wasn't I don't know that it was an enjoyable day it was a really it was a really tough grind it was so hot I was so hot and it was a very windy um, day so the winds going up to the turnaround were just relentless and um, yeah it was a it was a tough day I had to dig deep had some tears out on the run course and um, in the dark on my own and um, you know not finishing was never an option I knew I was going to get to the finish line but it was a tough it was a tough grind and I absolutely did not have enough food or liquid um, in my body for that particular event. But again, it makes you stronger, right? You get through it. It's amazing what, how how deep I found I could dig to, you know, make it to the finish line. And my whole goal was to make it to the finish line with uh, grace and dignity. So um, that's what I did. Let's talk about the grace and dignity part. (laughs) (laughs) For a moment. Um, Because I'm just curious to know then, like, how do you manage that recovery? Because I have hit the walls, the wrong word, but I have had, um, like a number of health issues primarily related to the crazy hormones. Like, I don't know what's going Mm -hmm. on sometimes. Right. And I have moments where I tournaments where I just completely crash. Right. Um, I've been in the middle of pools, like crying under my face mask and I don't know why. Um, and that's, I know. I'm like, I don't know either. Don't ask me why I'm crying. (laughs) Uh, and it is a nutrition part for sure. And it's learning that, but like, in that moment afterwards, there's such a huge crash. Like, do you ever feel just completely like down? And how long does it take you to recover from from the 
from the hormone crash before you can kind of recover from the physical crash and then like the mental crash. Like, is there a process for that? Are you able to recover pretty quickly? Like, is you just have a good perspective on that? Um, Because for me, I, I find it frustrating. Like I've put all this time and effort to like get there and go there and like, a lot of it's stress, like the stress of, of work and, and trying to get time off and having the money to do this and then getting there. And then something like that happens. And it's like, it should have been in my control. I didn't have control of it. I don't know how to take control of it. <laughs> so like just, ugh. <laughs> and it's just sometimes hard to come back from that. So, you know, what do you do to work on that? Just be like, okay, yeah, we were riding. It was too long. I hit a wall um, coming back was probably dangerous. Uh, it had to be done. Like, how do you pick yourself up? Or even from Kona, we were like, the goal was just to finish the race, but how did you pick yourself up from that and say, okay, well, this isn't what I wanted. These things happened. I'm physically, mentally, spiritually spent. Now what? Like, where do you go from there? Like, how do you, you know, what, what do you do to come back to come back and recover from that and move forward so gracefully. <laughs> so I think with in 20, when I reflect back on 2014, I think I did, like, I definitely had the mental fortitude to like put one foot in front of the other and um, just get her done. And so it wasn't like I was, and at the end of the race, actually at the end of all Ironman races, and I would say half Ironman races too, I feel pretty um, vulnerable and raw and um, yeah, very emotional, I would say, but that, mm-hmm. that pa- I find for me that passes pretty quickly. Um, get some food and um, talk to, talk to my family. And um, the, the more training and the more uh, longer distance racing I've done, I find that physically I recover a little faster, which is really funny because I'm getting older and I know that it takes me longer to recover because of my age. But at the same time, because I've had more um, training and racing behind me, the body seems to bounce back mm. a little bit more, say, than in 2014 when I didn't have a lot a lot of long distance training and racing um, in my back pocket. Um, I think emotionally, it's about because I love it so much and it's just so much fun and I just can't wait till, okay, what's next sort of thing. And I think that's part of who I am. And um, I think I bounce back pretty quickly. I think one of the most challenging times for me is like this month, November, where I'm supposed to be resting or I call it active recovery. And it's like, I'm chomping at the bit to get going again because it's just, that's what I love to do. Um, So, and I don't think that I've experienced sort of the, uh, the real sort of down in the dumps that some people may experience after, you know, a bit, you know, you train and you work so hard towards a goal and then you finish the goal. And then there's like, some people can come crashing down. And like, I didn't, I think I felt a little bit of a crash. Didn't last very long though. I, I don't know. I, I think because I love it so much, I, I look forward to what's next. What am I going to do next? That's probably not very helpful for you. (laughs) 
Listen, it's better than my, than, no, I'm just kidding. It's great. It's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. It's interesting. This whole rest and recovery, um, energy management, like does life get better after, you know, after menopause and like the hormones settle, um, they do, you know, they like, do. <laughs> I, I can say that. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I went through a tough period. I'm, you know, 61 to Sharon as well. And, I find that, um, you know, 58, 59 was really rough for me. Like I had injuries and like I was fencing and stuff and I had to stop like just because I was inundated with injuries. And then I learned later in literature is that that's all related to menopause anyway. So that's, that's what my question to you is like how, and I just ended up going to an osteopath. In fact, I actually crawled into mm. his his examining room and said, like, fix me, I need fixing. And he said, I can, I can make you feel better in four visits. And he did. And so I, I actually am a huge proponent on osteopaths, especially for senior, you know, women. And like, he, he's very empathic. He, he can, he can feel tension. He already, I just retired a couple months ago. And he says, I can feel it in your mm-hmm. body that you don't have this tension. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, so like, that's one thing that I was going to ask you about, how did you get over this, this, you know, the, the 50 to 55, like, you know, the 55 to 60, like that is a tough time to get through and compete so well. Like I really, I, you know, hats off to you for being able to get through all of these I things. Think that, I think with uh, sort of perimenopause and menopause, every woman experience can experience things differently. And I, I feel like I was, pretty fortunate in terms of sort of navigating those waters. And I really was very mindful of uh, healthy eating and maintaining my physical, act, like my physical activity pieces. Um, you know, I, I can get a bit cr- uh, grumpy or crunchy or grumpy if, if I am, you know, if I have a day where you know, I, for whatever reason, work gets in the way and can't get out to my workout, I can maybe get a little bit grumpy. Um, so that I recognize that the, the physical activity, the nutrition, the rest are all sort of important pieces of navigating through that time. And I think the other piece that's really important is to have people around you that are supportive and you know, can acknowledge maybe what you are going through and it can be supportive mm-hmm. and maybe cut you some slack. I'm thinking of my partner, right? Like he's been very, very yeah. patient with me. And um, I I think that that can help not only if someone's navigating changes in life, but other challenging times that people may be facing is, you know, to make sure that you're thinking about self-care, whatever that looks like, you know, my self-care might look, might be different from somebody else's. Um, but for me, for self-care, it's really about, you know, making sure I am going for a run. Yeah. It's the physical <laughs> activity. Iron Man's the, best self-care. Yeah, physical activity, the, nu- the nutrition, the, the rest, and, you know, having some time to maybe sit down and, you know, read, read a book, um, listen to music, whatever, spend time with people you want to be around. I think all those things are really important for our physical and our mental health, mental well-being. Mm-hmm. So true. And so you must 
spend a significant time out of your day, out of your week training, uh, but you still work. So how have you been able to build your lifestyle or your, your, your work and your husband coaches you. So he's obviously like a massive uh, supporter of your career as a triathlete. Um, How do you, how did you, I'm, I'm also interested in how you built your life around triathlon or made it work with work and other responsibilities to be able to, to invest in it so so well that you can be competitive and you can achieve, you know, um, you know, these goals to, to qualify for, for the world championships for whether it's triathlon, like full triathlon or or half triathlon. Yeah. So it's a lot easier now that the kids are like, no, we, it's just Kevin and I and the dog at home. We, the kids are all moved out and mostly independent. And um, so certainly, you know, I'm not trying to juggle, uh, you know, kids getting kids to swim practice or music practice or whatever, right? So I guess I have the gift of time that way. Um, and I think the other thing is I've, because I've always enjoyed sort of the competition and racing and such, I, I've sort of, it's just become part of my life. So in order to do that, you need to train. So, you know, maybe I choose my, you know, maybe I'm not going to spend three hours in front of the television on a weekend I'd be out on my bike or you know um yeah so I think people can if you and again I acknowledge my privilege in this I have the means and the opportunity to you know I don't have to have three jobs to put food on the table I can have one job and um so I that is I totally acknowledge my privilege in that so you know I try to get about 10 to 12 workouts a week and I usually do one workout before work in the morning and then I'll do a second one either at lunchtime or more often than not after work because yeah lunchtime doesn't always work but um, yeah I always take one day off so you know you divide that up into swimming biking running and throw some weights you know a couple of circuit sort of weight workouts and you're at 10 to 12 workouts a week. So again, I can carve out the time um, to do this. And then on the weekends, it's, you know, maybe instead of, you know, going out socializing, uh, whatever, I'm out on my bike with my uh, workout buddies, you know, for whatever, (laughs) how many hours it is, one hour or six hours, whatever it happens to be. And um, it's really nice, too, because Kevin has he still likes to move. And so it's really I'm very appreciative that, you know, we're able to go to the pool together and we're able to bike together. He's not doing as much, hardly any running anymore with his body. But um, it's really I'm very grateful that he and I are able to share that time together as well. and yeah, he is my biggest supporter. Without him, I wouldn't be able to do <laughs> any of this at all. So very, very grateful to him. And so how is your, your job flexible that you can can fit those times in? Do you set your own hours? Do you no. work remote? Yeah, I'm working. So in 20, uh, I, I'm a um, 
I'm a public health nurse, so I work for the health department here in Hamilton and have been doing a, uh, took on a supervisor position during uh, COVID. So I was uh, deployed, like most of my colleagues, to work in COVID back in March of 2020, and I'm still working in COVID, uh, going back to my home program um, early next year. Um, so yeah, we work, we're, we're now back to sort of a normal Monday to Friday sort of uh, during the day. So, you know, I can easily get a workout in starting at six o'clock or 6.30 before I start my work day at, um, you know, eight o'clock. And um, then after work, or, and if I need to sign back on work, I do that, um, you know, sign off at five and go do a workout. And if I need to come back to work for an hour or so, then I'll do that. But um, yeah, it's, I think you can make things work. I, I think the other piece that I find for myself is if I've had a little um, activity and, and, you know, maybe it's not even a workout, maybe it's, it's the walk with the dog and before starting the day, I find that it just sets the day up for success when you've had some movement um, whatever that looks like. And even, you know, getting out at lunchtime, if it's not a workout, if it's out with the dog for, you know, 40 minutes of, you know, hike through the woods or whatever, again, that sets, sets me up for success for a, you know, focused rest of the work day. So, um, I think it's really important to step away, um, if you're able or to start your day or finish your day or whatever with a little bit of movement, I, I think people would find that they're maybe in a better state of mind and, and their bodies might thank them for it. I don't disagree with you. I disagree with day 6 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, uh, yeah, I, I love that you just have this, you know, when I asked you the question about, um, or when I, I talked about your master's and, you know, said that it like, it's courageous that you went back. You just had this blank look on your face as if like, what What are you talking about? Like, why, like, why, like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> what does it take courage? Just go out and do it. Like, it's yeah. something that wants to get done and just go and get it done. And I, I love that, um, that, that fearless uh, attitude just go out and do it and get it and who cares right i have a t-shirt um, that I says i have a t-shirt that says fearless on it it's i should have worn it i'll have to <laughs> yeah. send you did you ever have those no fear shirts from like the late 90s early 2000s I, remember that brand no fear Anyone? no i no? never had one of those i i know i have a, another fearless shirt but it's not from the 90s <laughs> Um, I think that, you know, we all need more of that, like to share that, like, don't, you don't need to like, just go if this is something you want to do, or uh, it never hurts to go back and do a master's or get your bachelor's or whatever, or change your career. Um, you know, don't be afraid to go and do it. I remember when I, I went to ballroom dance, I, I did some ballroom dance and they were like, I can't believe you just showed up and did it. I'm like, why wouldn't I like why why would I just show up and do that? It seemed fun. It was expensive, but it was fun. Yeah. And it was just like such an odd odd thing, I guess, for me to go by myself solo and just sign up for it's rare, I guess. And so I think that's kind of the same attitude, but uh it's awesome. So so what's the future? What what are you which uh you know, championships are you gonna qualify for and, and what, you know, 
Are are you always trying to improve something? Is there something you want to work on to, you know, help improve your chances of getting into that qualification stream? Um, Well, that's a great question. And so I sort of uh, thought this would be my last. I said to Kevin and my running people and uh, training partners, I sort of said, yeah, I want to go back to Kona. This was last year. I said, yeah, I want to try to get to Kona one more time and give it one more kick at the can. And then, you know, move on to something else. Well, the Ironman has this thing that if you win your age group, you're you're supposed to get an automatic, or they tell me <laughs> I'm supposed to get an automatic uh, spot uh, for the uh, 2023 championships. And so um, I'm still waiting for that email. But um, I think that I haven't, I think I'd be crazy to turn that down because, Mm -hmm. you know, it would mean I wouldn't have to do a qualifying Ironman in 2023. It's like I could just train and really focus on that one event in October. So I'm pretty sure that's what I'm going to do. What's going to, what sort of races in between? uh, I haven't sorted out yet because I sort of promised myself I'd give myself the month of November to just sort of, chill Mm -hmm. I I think my husband would say that I really haven't been chilling in November but anyways um yeah so (laughs) I'll sort of I think in December look at the race like the different races and see you know what what might be interesting to do and I think because I have qualified it might be fun to try some um other races that are going on around um the world. It's a great, the one thing I've been very appreciative of is racing in different uh, countries because it's a great mm. way to see things that you might not necessarily have, you know, explored. Sure. So that's, that's one thing that I also really enjoy and appreciate and, and I'm grateful for is through the racing, it's taken me to a few interesting places and uh, it's been a lot of fun that way too. When the time comes that you're no longer going to do those full Ironman triathlons, are you going to be content to just do smaller races or continue to to race for fun? Is there, do you always, do you foresee ever like not being competitive or do you think you're just going to scale it down? I'm not sure. Or do you think you're just going to keep doing it until... Until I'm until you hit the wall too many times. Maybe I I don't know. I I sort of that's a really good question again. Like when I look at the um the oldest woman who finished in uh, Kona this year, uh, Cherie Grunfeld, she was uh, she's she's seventy eight, and she was the oldest competitor. She's and she's just a lovely woman. There's a great article on her in this in this edition of the triathlon the canadian triathlon uh, magazine and um she's an incredible woman and so uh yeah i look at her and she's she's got a few years on me um i don't know i i i could always see myself like as long as the body allows to um still you know do a little bit of racing i i really enjoy it it's as i've mentioned a hundred times it's so much fun like it's so cool to get out there with other people and yeah, I'm slowing down, but it doesn't matter. I'm still out there and, you know, run circles around people half my age. So, um, not that that really matters, but, 
Well, it kind of does. Well, <laughs> it does. Come on, it does feel. It does feel a little good. Yeah, it, it is kind good. of. It is kind of. Uh, it is entertaining, but um, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I. I don't know. I think I'll always. I, I think I'll always um, do some. Do a little bit of racing and hopefully running because I really do love. I really really love to run. It's just just such a great such a great activity and so easy to you know, just go out the door and do it anywhere. So, yeah. So next year, I think I'll be back in Kona with that spot that I've got. And um, what's in between, we'll we'll sort that out next month. Awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Sharon, thank you so much. This has been uh, such a fun conversation. Um, you're absolutely yeah. lovely and yeah, so much energy. Can I have some of your, could you share yeah, can, like, can you yeah. vibe it through the screen? Yeah, I'll, and, like... send, I'll send some, send some through and, <laughs> yeah, and I just encourage you to just follow your dreams and find out. I think if people, you know, have a passion and a purpose and have people in their lives, like those are all really awesome things. And it's incredible what, people can accomplish if they put their mind to it right it's uh yeah it's and, yeah. and get up at 6 a.m well it's yeah. i i usually i used to get up at five because my master swim program was at 5 30 but covid i haven't gone back to the my swimming and i must say i'm not missing getting up at five six o'clock or quarter to six is much more reasonable extra hour <laughs> yeah amazing Sharon thank you so much uh yeah and congratulations thank you know you. huge huge win huge sixth place finish yes. in the competition that came like right after with little to no time to recover and you totally deserve uh a month month off a month to yourself and just to have some fun and yeah, hopefully we'll see you back at the top next year. Right? Well, thank you so yeah. much for having me and for your interest. And it was really, it was great to uh, get to meet you and hear some of your stories as well. So thank you. My messes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we will leave it there. Um, thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For show notes, go to silvergoldwomen.com forward slash episode hyphen 18. Follow this podcast on Facebook and Twitter at silvergoldwomen. For more episodes, subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate, review, and share it too. Music for this podcast was crafted by the extremely talented Outwild. He knows what I like. Every time I hear these beats, I dance in my seat. If you like his music, you can listen to him on SoundCloud at It's Outwild. Follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at It's Outwild. Until next time, play hard, play smart.